0: Welcome to the Happy Saver Podcast. I'm Ruth, a personal finance blogger right here in little old New Zealand. And in this podcast, I chat to a diverse bunch of people. I learn their story and I condense it down so that you can hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are sharing their experiences, tips and point of view on personal finance here in New Zealand. So today, right oh, here we go. I'm about to show my age here, but I've known Bella, who is now 26 since she was born Now, over the years, our lives have not always intersected, but over the last couple of years, they have. And it's been a huge honour to get to know the strong, super mindful, independent woman that she has become. Now, Bella is not her real name, but I thought it suited her. She was born in Dunedin, has a brother and a sister, and grew up there. And in 2020, she finally finished up her university study and headed off to Wellington to begin to work in her chosen field as a midwife. It was at the end of her studies that we connected properly again, when she called in to visit Johnny and I, and we had the chance to chat about where she had been and where she was headed. Seven years of study had earned her two degrees, a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Midwifery, as well as $85,271.15 in student debt. Bella and I caught up again for a chat in March of 2021 after her first full year of or her new graduate year of work, and she is now a fully qualified midwife in her second year of practice, having helped to welcome 50 plus pepi safely into the world, which is pretty cool. It was quite the journey that got her to this point though, and I want to dig into some of that detail for you today, and I want this episode to be particularly useful for young adults thinking of heading to tertiary study, and for their parents and caregivers too. But before I get started, as you know, I have a quick message from Pocketsmith, the wonderful sponsors of today's show. For me, being good with money simply has to start with a budget, and that is probably the most common tip I give to people, to track your money using Pocketsmith. A budget gives me permission and freedom to spend, knowing that I have all my other short, medium and long term money goals covered. Now I love the nitty gritty details of budgeting. My husband Johnny does not, so I can personalise Pocketsmith using custom dashboards to show me all the juicy details, while he just wants an overall snapshot of how our month is going. So however you like to view your money, you can customise Pocketsmith to see the insights that matter to you, whether you're a household of one or many. If you want to supercharge your finances with Pocketsmith, they've got a deal for you. Happy saver listeners get a whopping 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's premium plan. To get your deal, go to Pocketsmith.com forward slash TheHappySaver. I wanted to start out by finding out a bit about what she learned about money in her youth from both her family and friends as they are a massive influence on us all and have a lot of impact on how we each handle money. In some ways, money was a bit of a mystery to Bella in that she does not think she ever really had a sense of how much her mum and dad either made or how much was available. She got the impression that her parents were very conscious around spending and saving. And looking back, she does not think they were ever poor, but sometimes that was the impression. In terms of learning the value of money, she thinks she got quite a good foundation because her parents, probably her mum in particular, had a really strong emphasis on not wasting things or being frivolous. For example, going out to a restaurant was always a real treat, save for birthdays. And when they went on a long road trip to visit, whanau, her mum, would always pack a family lunch. So, those kinds of things were quite foundational for Bella, because that is how she lives her life now. Eating and going out is still a luxury best served for a special occasion, and she wants to make conscious choices about what she does with her own money. Growing up, she does remember that her mum did talk to her about saving which was good, but Bella does also think that the way you are with money in a lot of ways is tied up in your personality, which is already formed in the womb, she thinks. Bella has a sister, and although they were raised the same, she remembers that when they were young, Bella was always really good at saving. It came naturally to her to save her pocket money, and her sister was a spender and is still, as an adult, trying to keep those impulses in check, particularly when it comes to buying craft beers. And I only dropped that in there because I know that her sister will be listening to this. Now, her first job that she can remember was a babysitting gig at the age of 14. And she always babysat from then on because it was an easy way to make some money. When she was a little older, about 15, she got a job on the checkout at a large local supermarket and she did that a couple of days a week after school. She can't recall how long she did this for, but she thinks that over the school holidays, she probably picked up more hours. And Bella has always been pretty independent and confident. And while still at school, she got herself a summer job in a really small town a few hours away from home and went off by herself to work in an orchard packhouse for the season. And you know, I had to ask her, right? What did she do with all the money that she earned? She couldn't quite recall, but she thinks she would have saved the majority of it because it was in her nature. Plus, she thinks she would have had a few short-term savings goals lined up as well. At the age of 15, she actually went to Japan for six months as part of a high school exchange program, and she's pretty sure that she would have been saving for that. But when she returned and picked up part-time jobs again, she can't recall what she might have been saving for. Throughout our chat, it became clear that if Bella had a goal to save for, she is excellent at saving. If there is no goal, or it's more vague, she tends not to save. And I think that's something for me to pick up on and use for my own daughter, to give her specific things to aim for, because saving for the sake of saving, although it works for someone like myself, does not work for everyone. She said that it never crossed her mind, and nor does she recall it being suggested that she save for university. She said that it was probably to do with the culture around student debt and the idea that you just put all of your study costs on student loan. It's absolutely normal and expected. But she doesn't know where this idea came from, but it's most likely formed from talking to other people who were also in their last year of school and planning on going to uni. She does not recall specific conversations about loans or money, but she was aware that everyone else around her was applying for and paying for all of their study via the government scheme study link, so she would have just done the same. So ingrained was this process that she said she remembers meeting a guy in first year uni who didn't even know what StudyLink was, and his granddad had paid for his whole course so he could come out of university debt-free. Instead of thinking how fortunate he was, they instead thought that he was a complete idiot for not using or knowing who StudyLink was. And it reflected a tall poppy syndrome, she thought. The fact that he had managed to get himself in a really good position with the help of his family, but they all just shut him down instead of asking him to tell them more. She recalls that in her final year of school, she didn't really know what to do. The pull was not that strong to go to university, but that is what most of her classmates were heading off to do, and her assigned mentor at school, which was one of her teachers, told her that it was better to have a university degree than not. And in hindsight, Bella thinks that this was pretty terrible advice when there were a myriad of other paths she could have taken. But the school she went to really pushed the prestige of a university qualification and were against, she thinks, taking on a trade, going to a polytechnic or taking a gap year to just find your feet. They pushed the academic path for their students quite strongly and there was a real herd mentality to do what everyone else was doing. The irony is that now Bella sees the students that were her age now have houses and they also all work in the trades. Having spoken with a secondary school teacher as I was writing this one up, she said that most young adults know little or nothing about money, and there is a huge gap in education here, but she said that they are mad keen to know more about it, and because they know that she is interested and happy to share, whenever she has the opportunity in class, they do chat about it, and many of them are despairing and frightened about ending up in debt. They do think it's a foregone conclusion and she really encourages them to seek out an adult or a career advisor with the knowledge and willingness to teach them that this does not have to be the case. She encourages her senior pupils to track their spending and start to know how money works, to look into the costs of study, both the education part and the accommodation part, years before they get there so that they can begin to save up and that the path of their parents is not the path they need to take themselves Unfortunately, in many cases, parents are poor handlers of money themselves and are not the best people to hand on that knowledge. But back to Bella. Start university, she did, studying first-year law for no other reason than a few people thought she would make a really good lawyer. And although she found the law lectures interesting, she recognised she had no interest in becoming a lawyer. In her first year, she received a student allowance because at the time her dad was not working, but that only lasted for one year. She immediately took out a student loan to cover her course costs and her living costs despite getting a student allowance, yet she didn't even know how much it was until midway through the first year when she found it was about $10,000 a year in fees alone. So at the age of just 18, she more or less blindly began to stumble her way into debt. And that is so young, and unless it was explained to her, which it wasn't, there was no way she could have comprehended the long-term implications of signing up for a student loan. She also took on a number of other papers to study, something they advised her to do in case she didn't get into second year law. So she did papers in Japanese because she'd been there and it still interested her in Spanish and also in physiology. When she inevitably didn't get grades high enough for second year law, she fell into other papers and she got halfway through her second year before she woke up and realized that she had no real plan no cohesive set of papers that would earn her the units needed to make up a degree. So she sat down and worked out what points she had already earned and what she would get for that year, and they all pointed towards her having enough points to get a Bachelor of Arts. Could she have left and pursued something else? No way, she said. Bella is a completionist, so once she starts something, she is intent on finishing it. Another handy skill that she will begin to put into play in the years ahead. As an aside, having studied at Otago University myself, I recall one poignant piece of graffiti on the walls of the toilets in the union building. Now, I never managed to remember jokes, but I remember this one, and it was, what did the graduate with the Bachelor of Arts ask? Do you want fries with that? The point being that in many cases, it's not a specific degree that will get you the best job coming out of university. It's a general qualification in many instances. But after putting a plan together to pursue this BA, in her third year, she went to Japan for almost the entire year, which was pretty impressive. The details were a little rough about how she paid for it, but she knows that the university gave her a scholarship of about $1,500, and she probably had some savings left over from her part-time jobs, and when she knew a trip was imminent, she would have doubled down on setting money aside, because she recalled she had to pay for flights, which were actually reasonably cheap, she said. Once again, it shows that when she has a goal, she is great at saving for it. The Japanese government also gave her a scholarship and she was paying a tiny $50 a month, she said, to live in a dorm. Her course fees, even though she was studying overseas, were just her usual Otago Uni course fees and she had absolutely no idea what they were. They just went on her loan. She went to Yokohama, which is about 30 minutes south of Tokyo, and she studied Japanese with other international students. Also taking language papers and continuing her BA doing a range of papers in her words of just random shit. And just on scholarships for a moment. There is a website in New Zealand called generosity.org.nz. It costs money to access it, but you can access it for free through your local library and sometimes through your school as well. And you can go there and it has all of the scholarships available that you can apply for and is very much worth checking out if you're wanting to study and offset those costs. So approach your iwi, approach your local rotary and large local companies. There is money out there available to assist you through your study if you go looking for it. So Bella came home in late 2015 with a Bachelor of Arts degree with a major in Japanese and a minor in gender studies, she said. Although she got a student allowance for that first year only, for the rest of her university years she put every single cost onto her student loan. And she said she had absolutely no idea what those costs were. She never, ever, even thought about it. It simply never crossed her mind. And I asked her at what point did she consider what job this qualification would get her. She said she vaguely thought about it on and off, but not really because she just didn't care. She was enjoying herself, she was learning some stuff, and having some really good experiences. She thought she might figure it out while in Japan that an opportunity might come up to stay and work there as a teacher. But it was actually while sitting in a lecture for a paper called Conceiving Reproduction that focused on reproduction, traditional birthing practices throughout time in New Zealand, IVF, surrogacy, and the politics of it all, that she decided right there and then that she wanted to be a midwife somehow. And it was with this thought in her mind She chose to take a year off where she got a full-time job working in a cafe. And this surprised me, like why didn't she just crack on now that she actually had a career in mind? Well, by now she was 22 and it was because she didn't want to embark on another degree without it being right. And now for the first time in the back of her mind, she knew the student loan balance was climbing high. So with age, this level of awareness was starting to creep in with thoughts Not just about this day or this month, but of the years ahead and what shape her life might take. And that's pretty typical, I would have thought, of most of us. Of course we all make life up as we go along and gather new intelligence. It's called growing up. And it's why I was so concerned about an 18-year-old signing up to debt. Most of us can't quite understand the implications of it yet. And although she was starting to formulate plans for her career, she still wasn't thinking about how to pay for the education to get her there. She said the idea of using the money she earned from working as a barista for a year to pay for her course costs up front was just not there. She still didn't know a single person, apart from that one guy she thought was a weirdo, who had paid cash for their study. She knew she would continue to study, but she just put it on tick, and one day she would eventually pay it off. It didn't mean she spent the money she was earning, though. She did save up what she could, and this money was used over the following years to top up her bank account when needed when she ran out of her borrowed money. Now all this time she would receive a statement about a student loan, she'd glance at the total outstanding balance of her debt and shove it away, putting it to the back of her mind. She was aware that it was a lot of money and was becoming aware that she could not just do another degree if she was not sure she could complete it. So she was finally starting to have the level of awareness that you need to really make strong future plans and it's just a shame that she didn't have this in her first year or that back when she sat with that mentor at school, they didn't spend a whole lot longer working through options and the flow-on effect of each. Now there was a level of frustration creeping in for Bella and forming in her mind after she'd done her BA was a thought. What the heck am I doing with this and where will it take me? To become a teacher, maybe keep studying more and get a PhD? What? What am I doing? But with midwifery, she knew there was a 100% chance of getting a job And that is a concrete goal to aim for right there. And Bella likes a good goal. So basically, off she went to university again and put everything she could on her loan again. She worked a little through her study, always doing babysitting and random cash jobs. During her second degree, she did pick up steady part time work as a carer during the term, which became full time in the holidays. And she did some orderly work at the hospital and also, and we all need to have a completely random job on our CV she did some medical acting for the medical school. Goodness knows what that involves. But as her second degree progressed, it got harder and harder to do part-time work due to her course commitments. Basically, though, she was living on the smell of an oily rag, but borrowing the majority of the money she needed to do it. Fortunately, she always had really cheap rent. Dunedin was known for that. But I know that now this cost for students is also climbing. So finally, eight years after she started, With one of those years being a gap year, she finished her study with two degrees, a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Midwifery. In that final year, she had grown to hate being a student. It had, after all, taken up almost a third of her short life. And once she finished all her study, she stopped being able to throw away the statement of her debt when it arrived. She finally had to face facts that this was her debt, because up until that point, she'd never thought about it as hers, it was just what you did. It was a rite of passage for being a student, and apparently everyone had one. And she began to understand that she actually had to do something about it. A sobering moment, I'm sure. Finally, she was heading into the workforce, into guaranteed work. Finally, she was entering reality, and finally, she knew there was no other choice. She had to work. She'd be heading into self employment as a midwife, paying her own taxes, learning how to do her own accounts, and of course, paying back her student loans. When she was working full-time as a barista, she saw that 12% of her wages was being automatically swept away from her pay onto her student loans. So she was used to that process and it had chipped away a tiny amount of her debt, a total of 3400 in fact. But at the end of her study and as she was about to embark on a new career, she knew it was time to see what she actually owed. She thought it was going to be about $50,000, so you could imagine her shock when she saw that the total amount she had borrowed from the New Zealand taxpayer by way of an interest-free student loan was $85,271.15. She genuinely didn't realise it was up in the 80s, and it was a big, big shock. And she thought to herself, this is going to take freaking ages to pay off. $85,000 is so much money and she just could not comprehend it. She didn't want to still have a student loan when she was old, but that was what she thought would happen. And this is how her loan was broken down. Compulsory fees for both degrees were $52,940, which is about $26,000 for each degree. Living costs, which she used for rent and food and fun, were $24,789. Course-related costs were $7,000. That's $1,000 for each year of study and she remembered that she used to get so excited each year when she applied for these course-related costs. She thought of it as free money. Now she looks at it as, quote, another bloody seven grand to pay off my loan. It's my money that I blew, and it's my freaking debt now. Yep, she was pretty annoyed. There were administration fees of $80, an establishment fee of $420, a study link amount of a random $42, So that's a total debt for her education, once again, of $85,271 or $12,181 for each of the seven years of study. The only saving grace is that now that she has finished studying, the debt will not rise any further, given the fact that in New Zealand we have access to interest-free student debt. So what now? Basically, if you have a student loan, once you start earning over about $20,000 from any source she has to start making payments. She will have to pay a compulsory 12% of every dollar she earns over that $20,000. Now, because Bella is self-employed, she can hold off and pay this at the end of the financial year, or she can make interim and voluntary payments to spread the load throughout the year. If she were to be an employee, it's just automatically deducted from each pay. So if her net income above that 20 grand was 50,000, she would pay 12% of that, or $6,000 towards her student loan. If she were to pay back too little, the IRD would charge her late payment interest or overdue payments. So until that debt is gone, her paycheck will have 12% deducted every single time. If you net $1,000 a week, $120 of that is immediately taken away and sent to your debt, leaving you with just $880 a week. She had a lot of stuff to figure out, She knew she was finally about to become a working woman, but what about this loan she now has to pay back? And it was around this time that she called in for a coffee with me at the start of 2020. And I remember when she called in, she had the paperwork to take out a bank loan so that she had money to help her move to Wellington and establish herself there, and she had already taken out a personal loan with an acquaintance just to help her bridge that gap between finishing study and working. And I recall asking her if she was done with borrowing money yet. What if there was another way to go about things, I asked her. So by the time she left, she had a lot to think about. And thankfully, it didn't involve completing those bank loan forms. I had also put the thought into her head to aggressively pay down her student loans while continuing to live cheaply, something she was already so used to doing. And my opinion of, and this is my opinion, of paying off money you borrowed from someone else flies in the face of many I know but it comes from experience because I too once had a student loan and two years into my study I was accumulating debt just like Bella but in my case student loans actually attracted interest back then. So I chose to stop my studies and work full-time and I did that for two years solid before returning to uni, paying off my student debt in full and then cash flowing the rest of my study. So I came out of it qualified for a good career but with no money. But I had no debt either. And had I come out with debt, it would have been a massive handbrake for what I wanted to go on and do. I could have let my debt linger for the next 10 to 20 years, like many of my friends, but I'm more black and white than that. I borrowed it, I should pay it back, close that chapter, and move forward. The fact that student debt is now interest free should be more of an incentive to pay it back, not less. So that's what I did, and that's what I was proposing for Bella that she budgets her income carefully. Setting money aside for all her business and personal expenses as required, paying into her KiwiSaver, having some set aside for emergencies, but then everything else goes to her debt. She has been broke for many years, what's a few more? She's heading into a good long-term profession, will be making great money, and can either prolong the debt or just rip the band-aid off and get it done in three years, which made a lot of sense to her. And once she got settled in Wellington, she made a plan to pay it off as fast as possible. She thought it might take six years, I thought three. That was the plan until she settled into her new life and began to hear a strong and consistent differing opinion to my loan voice. She told me that she is yet to meet a single person who agrees with me about paying off student debt. All of the people she comes across trot out the well-worn phrase of why pay it off, it's interest-free, when they are talking about their student loans. It's a mindset that this debt is less relevant because the money is borrowed from the government and not the bank or your mum and dad. They propose instead that she pay the minimum on her student loans, so that's a 12% deduction from her annual income, and that she invest any additional money instead. So that's what Bella began to do, because she kept hearing that she was missing out on time in the market and putting her money to use And why would you pay off a 0% amount when you could earn interest somewhere else? Duh. The loans can just stagnate off to the side. They're interest-free. They matter less. Once again, it's that herd mentality guiding her. She is a strong-minded, gutsy woman, but the opinions of the masses are a pretty powerful force. And it was my thinking that it was a herd mentality that walked her blindly into debt in the first place, so it's even more unlikely to help her get out of it. The payoff, low interest versus invest conversation in my mind makes the assumption that people have a strong financial educational base that they are working from. Because when you look at the math, yes, it does make sense. If you owe $100 with no interest owing and no time frame to actually pay it off, well, you could invest that $100 and earn, air quotes, potential return in an index fund of something like 7 to 10%. But many of us here in New Zealand, particularly young people, are not actually working from a strong financial base and we actually don't have the skills to make long-term investment plans that will capitalise on investing for gains. If that assumption was true, then these people probably would have been investing from a young age anyway and be paying cash for the education by using the 4% rule. And if I've just confused you there, well, that's my point. Many of us, through no fault of our own, just don't have the education. So therefore, I don't think they should muck around with their debt And in my mind, they have two choices. They can rapidly bring themselves up to speed with investing or pay off their 0% debt because every $100 you pay off is a $100 increase in your net worth, guaranteed. Now, I get a bit feisty about this because this is where people go off the track and think that the way to invest is to buy single stocks in Tesla and Bitcoin or I don't know, what about GameStop? They run the massive risk of keeping all their student debt investing their income and mucking that up as well. But moving on, back to Bella. (laughs) When we chatted in March 2021, she had just completed a full year of work and had earned a gross salary of $99,000, a fantastic income for sure. She had set up some excellent systems and out of that, she set aside money to run her own business, money for taxes, money for her compulsory student loan payment, money for her KiwiSaver and of course money to live. She has set up a bank account with an emergency fund of $5,000. She has a holiday fund set up and a car account to handle any repairs, plus an account for rent. And one of the best things she is working on is to set up what she is calling a backup income fund. And this is where she wants to put money aside to help her through the quieter times at work or when she decides to take leave. It's a way for the income to keep rolling in consistently. And this is a wonderful idea. And because she is in a stressful career, Knowing that when you need to take a break, you can take it and you don't have to worry about income is a huge boost to your mental health. It lets you take a holiday and spend it relaxing and not worrying about lost income. So, she had done a really excellent job in setting up a variety of bank accounts and sinking funds to do this, setting money aside to handle lots of different things. Very importantly, she also set up a voluntary contribution of $50 each week into her Saver. As a self employed person, you have to make sure you set this up because it's not automatic like it would be if you had an employer. She joined Sharesies and has also been investing $50 a week into Sharesies with a current balance of $1,174 with a return of 8% so far, which is a nice return. She said that she was feeling a real psychological barrier about putting any money onto her student loan, particularly in light of people telling her that she was foolish to do so. She instead wants to build it up into an investment on the side using Sharesies or a similar platform and when it hits the full loan amount she will sell down her investments and pay off her debt and based on her current investment rate she only has another $80,000 to invest to make that a reality. So that's the theory at least and I'll say this again she is getting a lot of pressure to invest instead of paying off debt which is what her gut instinct is telling her to do. She did start out with good intentions at the start of 2020 and set up just a tiny $20 weekly payment to her student loans, but she said that it felt like a drop in a very large ocean and that she was just pouring away her 20 bucks, so she stopped. So because of this, she was making no payments to her student debt, no payments that would offset the student loan bill, that will be heading her way at the end of the financial year because she was self-employed. She was, however, aggressively putting money aside into a bank account called tax because she was unsure, being a first-year worker, exactly how much tax she would be required to pay. She didn't want to get caught short, and because she was used to living on nothing, it was relatively easy to do this. In fact, she built up that account to, wait for it, 50 grand, which is far in excess of what she will need to pay in tax and GST and student loans. Now, Bella is a saver for sure. When you come out of university having spent years scraping to get by and you suddenly start to earn good money, that cheap living habit you have spent many years growing is bound to hang around for a bit. So it was relatively easy for her to save this amount. And I asked her what it feels like to suddenly have an income and money. She said it feels really good, which I think is probably an understatement. When she was studying to be a midwife, it was a lot of hard work. None of which you get paid for. She said it's like an apprenticeship. Now she is still doing the same thing, except she's getting paid. Her income is very volatile. it depends on how many babies she helps into the world, and it depends on her own accounting skills and when she invoices and claims for her work. So because of this, she very much still lives with the mindset of a student, which is the advice she had been given by a lot of people. Avoid lifestyle creep as long as you can, and it makes her feel safe to do this with the end result being that she puts a lot of money aside. She's living in a shared house with really nice people and really affordable rent with a landlord who is kind and not constantly increasing rents just because they can. But she doesn't know how long this will last, so she is financially preparing herself for a rental increase at some point because that is what is going on everywhere around her and she is so scared that her landlord is going to sell the house. And she told me of several friends in Wellington who are currently having their rents Increased by greedy landlords who are putting up rent just because they can get away with it due to supply and demand, leaving many desperate but with no alternative but to pay. Now, I have to tell you that I had no right to be, it's not my life, but I care about this woman because I've known her a long time and I want to see her succeed. And when she first told me about her journey into debt, I thought to myself, well, what's done is done. We make the decisions we make given the information we have at the time. But I thought when it comes to getting her out of debt, and on a path to a wealthy future, I can help with that. I want to help with that. So to hear that she had gone away and set up some really good structures to manage her business and income, I was really pleased for her. It's a work in progress as she navigates it all, but given time, it will all settle in, and she will become 100% confident. But to then hear that even though she had the means to pay back money that she borrowed, she was instead choosing a much riskier, much more volatile path and with no financial guidance as to what to actually invest in. And I was dismayed if I'm honest. I felt like a bit of a disappointed auntie. But I can see she was torn between two competing arguments. But here's the thing. For every dollar you pay off your interest-free debt, it's a dollar gone. You have just increased your net worth by a dollar. You have removed one dollar of risk from your life. But for every dollar you invest, while you still have a mountain of debt, it's an unknown You hope you might turn that $1 into 10 but you just don't know. Because remember, past performance does not predict future returns. Plus, this herd mentality does not account for life either. And I said to Bella that like it or not, we kind of follow the same route, a pattern with many elements that are the same as other people. We leave school, we study for something, we work, we buy a home, we meet a partner, we have children, we have a setback at some point along the way and hopefully we reach retirement. So what makes her think, as unique as she is, that things will be different for her? She is 26 today, and what happens if she joins her life with someone who also has student debt? If they buy a home and take on more debt? If she decides to have a child? Will she be able to stop work with debts hanging over her? Debt might not hold her back right now, but in the future, it well might. Also, even if people who take this investing stance do manage to invest and build up their investment amount to match their debt, which will give them a net worth of zero, by the way, will they actually do what they originally said they would? Will they sell their investments and pay off their debt? I'd put $100 on the fact that no, they would not. I'm just such a firm advocate of finishing what you started, and from what I know of Bella, so is she. She stumbled into debt at the age of 18, so it was not like it was this master plan with a 20-year pay-down strategy at the end. So surely it's time to take control and take ownership now. Every dollar you pay off your debt is one dollar increase in your net worth, and it's worth thinking about. So coming back to that advice she keeps getting about not paying off your student loan debt because it's interest-free, free money, free debt, it got her thinking. She knows that when she pays it all off, she will instantly get a pay rise of 12%. If her income grows to, say, $100,000 net income, that's $12,000 a year. It'd be nice to have in your bank account, would it not? Now you could really start to grow wealth and invest. She knows that if you go overseas for more than six months, then it's not interest-free anymore, and a lot of people think this will never apply to them, but it often will. And although no one could go anywhere at the moment due to COVID, That won't always be the case. The borders will reopen and we will be itching to explore. We're Kiwis, it's in our DNA to travel. And it got me thinking too. For some reason, people separate themselves from their student loan debt because it's from the government. But really, when you boil it down, it's still just debt, money that you owe someone else for a product, or in this case, a service that you've already received and are already receiving the benefit of having. We all hate paying interest. Well, here is an opportunity to pay on your debt And not pay interest. Surely that's a win. So perhaps just pay it off. So we left it at that and we moved on to other things for our chat. And I went on to ask her what she thinks the key to becoming a millionaire is. And is this even her goal? Well, her goal is not to become a millionaire as such. She's not interested in the aspect of wealth, but she is more interested in the concept of financial freedom. And if one day that involves having more than a million dollars, then so be it. She does not want a mortgage or a house at any point in the near future and she currently loves living in Wellington. Bella feels that her generation is getting pushed out of the Wellington housing market, but she loves living there and it really annoys her when people give the advice to others, well, if you want to buy a house, just move somewhere more affordable. And I know that I'm guilty of saying that myself. But that would mean, she believes, that the city would lose many of the key people who make it what it is, and the argument that you can or should leave if you can't afford the city just makes no sense. If only the wealthy people get to stay, she said. And she has a good point. Who is going to deliver the babies if the midwife can't afford to live there? So next I asked her what she would do if given $10,000 right now. She would put it all on her student loan. All of it. Which was interesting given her previous conversation about investing instead of paying down debt. Why, I asked, would she not just invest in line with her theory above? She said it's because it's such a big chunk and a satisfying amount and she would see her student loan balance drop significantly in one go on her chart. Because yes, she has a chart on her wall marking her loan balance in $1,000 increments. Currently, it's sitting at $81,000, taking into account the little amounts that she has paid off recently, and while working at uni, and the $1,130 lump sum she recently made to bring it to a round figure of eighty one dollars She, like many I've spoken to, likes to work with round numbers which is interesting, don't you think? So she is getting satisfaction when she sees progress. $20 a week is not progress. $10,000 is progress and it's quite motivating. And then finally, to round out the chat, I asked her what advice she would give to the secondary school student and their parents who are listening to this. She said, if you can, try to look ahead. If you are thinking about doing something like a degree or a course, try to look ahead and look at the path it will take you on and what you can actually do with that qualification. You do have to line it up with what you're passionate about. She would not do midwifery just for the money, for example. You can't just be driven by the money. You have to do something you can see yourself using and enjoying. Don't listen to what the majority of people around you say about student loans. That money is your debt. It's not going to go away, and it's not free money. It will come out of your paycheck one way or another, whether it takes you months, years or decades and she said try to actually break down the financial stuff before you go break down course fees and what does StudyLink give for living costs and do you even need to borrow them can you stay living at home and not take the loan and get a part-time job don't just take it because it's there because university debt is not insignificant and I can see that it has really clouded her plans she's not come out of study ready to face the world it's really hard being a young person today. And if she gave the above advice to her younger self, she does not even know if she would have taken it. When you are young, you can't see yourself in the future. But what she did with money as a young person is now affecting her as an older person. She has really shot herself in the foot, she said. But the situation she finds herself in today would have been so hard to comprehend at 18, which is why I think teenagers need to have a trusted adult that they can talk to about all of this in a way that they can relate to. We got so deep in the woods in our chat because of that family connection that I didn't get to a heap of my questions, but I did hang up the phone thinking that I really needed to know the next chapter of Bella's story, and I was intent on staying in touch. And well, the next chapter was actually written the very next day as it turned out, because coincidentally her accountant got in touch with the breakdown of her income and the tax she was needing to pay. Plus, they have identified her as being eligible for an early payment discount for her income tax, saving her about $1,500. Her tax owed was about $23,500. Her student loan bill was about $9,500. Because she's such a good saver, Bella had been preparing for this and had set aside more than $55,000 by this time into her bank account. For all the people in the fire community, that's a savings rate of about 55 freaking percent of her gross pay, which is a phenomenal effort. So do you know what she did? She paid her income tax early and got the discount. She also paid the $9,500 towards her student debt, and then she made an additional lump sum payment on her student loan, bringing the total owing down from $81,000 to $55,000. She said to me that it is crazy how much more doable $55,000 of student loan debt now feels. And I would think that this is the intersection of math and the psychology of money right there. When we spoke, she was fizzing and she was delighted with the empowered feeling being in control of her money gave her. After all the pros and cons and ins and outs for Bella, this was the right decision for her. Would she have felt the same if that money was instead pushed off into an investment that she didn't quite understand? I don't think so. When it comes to debt, people forget about the emotion of it, they think only of the math, and many are not that good when it comes to math and investing yet. But the satisfaction, which is purely emotional, of seeing her balance slashed by a whopping $26,000 in the click of a button is far, far more motivating than trying to build wealth on one side or you have debt on the other. She was delighted with the progress she had made, and I was absolutely delighted for her. So righto, before I wrap up, I have another quick message from today's sponsor. Thanks again to Pocketsmith for sponsoring The Happy Saver and helping me keep my own personal finances on track. If you want to supercharge your finances with Pocketsmith, have we got a deal for you. Happy Saver listeners get a whopping 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's premium plan. To get your deal, go to Pocketsmith.com forward slash The Happy Saver. That's Pocketsmith.com forward slash The Happy Saver. Now I love education. I love the fact that we all have access to it here in New Zealand. And I have no issue with people studying a myriad of weird and wonderful things because that's what makes society interesting, in my opinion. I also think it is a great idea that our first year of university is free of fees, so that you can dip your toe in the water and see if it's right for you without taking on debt. But to normalise debt and tell kids not to worry about it is wrong, in my opinion, because as Bella has found out, it's only a matter of time before it comes back to bite you. For the parents listening to this, please don't let this be your child at the age of 26, trying to work out how to fix a problem that they could have avoided if they had just gone into it with more information. We have to talk to our children from a very young age, from the day they begin to earn money, about what they might want or need to do with it. And in my mind, it's not good enough to send them off into the world and let them work it out for themselves because the financial hangover is long-lasting from a decision made at the age of 18. Our kids shouldn't have to wait until the age of 30, 40 or 50 to finally pay for an education they received. On my blog, The Happy Saver, I talk a lot about how I teach my own daughter, who's now 13, about money, because I'm preparing her now for possible tertiary education, if that's what she chooses to do, buying a home one day, and also I'm teaching her about retirement. So please, if you are wondering how to start a conversation, go there and check it out. And finally, I remember seeing Bella once when she was just a little wee girl, probably about four, dressed in a brightly colored skirt and top and wearing gumboots, and she had this fire and determination about her, and she was very much a girl who knew her own mind. And I saw that again just recently when she made her own decision about what she wanted her own financial future to look like, not what someone else, either me or anyone else was trying to tell her it could look like. She is an immensely rational person and she heard all of the arguments and she weighed them all up and at the end of the day decided that the best route for her is to pay, in her words, the stupid freaking student loan off and get it out of her life. And I think that now she has made such a massive dent, it's going to fire her up even more. And Bella, I'll set you a challenge and I'll put it out there. I'll put $50 on it that you'll be student debt free by December 31st, 2023. And finally, thanks Bella for taking the time to share the realities of what tertiary education looks like in New Zealand today. Because your journey is not unique, thousands are about to go through it, are in it or are suffering the debt hangover from it. Both Bella and I want to challenge parents, caregivers and future students to look carefully at what you can do both now and in the future to reduce the financial burden of student debt. Whew, so that was a big one but that's all for me this week and I'll be back next Wednesday with another money journey of another Kiwi. If you want to get in touch you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I'd love it if you could leave me a five-star rating and review and share this with your friends. These are the best ways that people can learn about the podcast and I would love it most of course if you would talk more about money with your own friends and farno, and help me continue to help others be better with money. So until next time, happy saving.